listeners, welcome back to TSR. Um, I know, we had grand plans for a bunch of mini episodes, but we gotta level with you. It's my fault. No, it is not your fault. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm tired, guys. Uh, so it, it, it turns out being pregnant is hard. Yes, it's hard. I'm sorry. Um, I failed you all. No, you have not failed us all. Um, we ran into th- just... It's hard to record at night. Yes. So we're pretty much, for the next while, kind of limited to podcasting in the mornings and afternoons on the weekends. Yes, which it is now. Well, it's kind of the weekend. It's a Memorial Day, which is basically a weekend because we have a day off. Yay. Hooray days off. Yes. But um, now we're here podcasting again. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Um so we're just going to ditch the mini recap episodes, and we're just going to talk about all of it now. Yes. Right now. Yes. So that's what we're going to do. Yes. Dispensing with the normal format, and we're just going to talk about everything. And let's just dive in, Nancy. Okay. With the Rise of Skywalker trailer. Okay. So we were in the arena for this one. We were. Um, we had a friend who was gracious enough to uh, swap uh, swap some uh Tickets we had. Yep. And uh, we got to go into the arena for the episode nine panel hosted by none other than Stephen Colbert. Yeah. We have never been in the arena for any of the major big movie panels. So that was very cool. And uh, I was, uh, that was really the only thing I really wanted to do for the weekend. So once that happened on day one, I guess our real I guess day one, if you count preview days, day zero, it uh I was pretty much good for the rest of the day. Yeah, the rest of the con could have sucked and we would have been fine. <laughs> uh we got hats. We, we did get hats. Episode nine hats. Uh because we still didn't know what the name of the movie was <laughs> until that panel, which I'm glad they did that. Uh I'm I'm because I think if they had announced the title as The Rise of Skywalker beforehand uh, the discourse would have been unbearable. Yeah. So I really liked that they did it with the teaser. Basically, it was the same as what they did for Avengers Endgame. They didn't release the title until the actual first teaser. So mm-hmm. very happy about that. Uh, the panel itself was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. We saw our first glimpses of uh, a lot of stills, uh we got to meet Naomi Aki, who plays Janna, and really... The collective gasp when that image, when yeah. the first image of her character went up. Her costume is awesome. She has a cape, uh, leading to a lot of speculation of her being Lando's daughter. Uh, funnily, I think the most of the speculation comes not from the fact that she's black, but because of the cape. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, and of course they can't say anything. So, you know, her answer was no comment. Uh, but we got to see her for the first time. Um, Kelly Marie Tran got a standing ovation, which I was very happy about. Um, I know you guys talked about this on the Kalenji cast, the last episode. So, um. It was if you get a chance to watch the panel, uh, it, she was she was obviously very touched by it. And I'm really glad that the audience did that. Um, what else we saw? Obviously, we saw Lando for the first time, uh, saw a still of him 
uh, in the Falcon, which was fantastic. Uh, he's still wearing the yellow outfit and the cape and still as smooth as, up, smooth as ever. Uh, Poe and Finn are wearing some awesome desert gear. <laughs> uh, Poe's desert fashion sense is just top notch. It's very Rick O'Connell in The Mummy, uh, which I'm here for. Uh, but really, like, the panel didn't give much information. Uh, it was really just the actors chatting and Stephen Colbert asking questions that they couldn't really answer, which was kind of frustrating. <laughs> I'm always kind of annoyed about these panels that they can't really give any information. And really, we're all just waiting there for the uh, for the teaser. So let's talk about the teaser. Yeah. The one thing they did show in the pictures and they did talk about was that like the the three of them are all together, uh, which is good. We're, we're, we're happy about that because we haven't had them all three together. And I'm very glad we're going to get to have them all in an adventure. Uh, but yeah, then we got the teaser um, and Ray Ray's outfit is very awesome. Uh, she's in very creamy white, uh, very symbolic, uh, as her, her costumes colors have changed over the movies. Um, she has a hood on her shirt, which is very cool. I'm looking forward to seeing all the Ray cosplayers do this outfit. (laughs) Uh, and we get a Luke voiceover, which, you know, I'm happy about. (laughs) Uh, all of the three teasers so far have had Luke voiceovers in them. Force Awakens had a Luke voiceover. TLJ had Luke voiceover. And now this one has a Luke voiceover. Mm -hmm. Is it Luke saying things in the movie or is it just stuff he recorded for the teaser? We don't know. We have no idea what Luke's going to be doing in this movie. Other than that, he's a ghost, most likely. Uh... But yeah, he's telling Ray, um, we've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. And of course, like that's like that just got me going. <laughs> that those those lines, I'm like, okay, yep, I'm totally here for this. And then uh, a tie. Don't know the name of the starfighter. It looks like some new updated version of an interceptor. Yeah, is uh, flying toward her. We don't see who's in the interceptor, which has led to a lot of discourse and discussion over: Is it Kylo? Is are they training together? Is it someone else who stole the inter- the the tie and is training with her? What's happening? Uh, but all we know from this, for sure, is that she does this really awesome flip over the tie, and it's really awesome. And uh, I'm here for it. What about you? Um. <laughs> Flipping over a TIE fighter is freaking awesome. The collective gasp in the arena when that happened was really cool. Uh, I would like to lodge a complaint against the person who does the music for the teasers um, for using Princess Leia's theme for the bulk of it. That was very rude. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very sad. Uh, there was a shot of a city that looked a lot like Utu Gunga from Phantom Menace. Uh, not sure where that is. Um, we got to see Lando in the Falcon, which made me scream a lot more than I thought it would. I don't necessarily have a lot of feelings about Lando or the Falcon, but for some reason, the combination of Lando laughing in the Falcon just got to me. 
<laughs> uh, Finn and Poe are on an adventure on a desert planet, which we know the name of now and I can't remember it. <laughs> Something with a P. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look that up. We'll talk about the Vanity Fair stuff uh, in, a, in a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Finn and Poe look like they are on an adventure together and I'm here for it. Uh, 3PO is also with them, which, uh, is hilarious. Um, I wonder if he's going to play the same, uh, role he did to Han and Leia in Empire Strikes Back. Um, and we see, we don't see a lot of Kylo. We see him fighting, uh, we, I have no idea who he's actually fighting, but he like does this move where he just blows them over um he's still very angry kylo ren um and then we see a shot of what looks to be the ruins of the death star holy crap (laughs) i mean we thought the shot of the star destroyer in the in the force awakens teaser was you know as she's as Ray is, you know, flying across the desert on her speeder, and you realize, oh, that thing in the background is not like a sand dune or a mountain; it's Star Destroyer. Uh, this uh, reaction to realizing what they're looking at in the distance is not some sort of like topographical to- topographical feature, but the Death Star. <laughs> uh, still, don't know what Death Star it is. Do we? I'm guessing it's the second Death Star. Well, we're guessing it's the second Death Star because of what happens after the shot of the Death Star. Yes, fade to black so, and then... So fade to black, um, we get more of Luke voiceover of him saying, we'll always be with you. Remember, no one's ever really gone. And it's not the same no one's ever really gone that he says in The Last Jedi. It's a different... It's a very ominous. It's a different line reading. Um, it's not a reassuring you, it's a warning, and then uh, fade to black, and you hear a very familiar laugh. So this teaser was familiar laughs. We got the Lando laugh in the Falcon, which made everyone cheer, and then we got the Palpatine cackle that made also made everyone cheer, but for a completely different reason. <laughs> it was more of a <laughs> WTF, what is happening? Cheer. Then uh, we get the title. Yeah. So then, you know, Fade to Black, Cackle, which is, uh, you know, big enough. And then the Star Wars logo comes up and we get the title, which is The Rise of Skywalker. Um and the entire arena loses their minds. Including me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> all I need to do is see the word Skywalker, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, so, yeah. Teaser. And then Ian McDermott walks then, out on stage. Oh, yeah. Ian McDermott walks out on the freaking stage, and everyone loses more of their minds. And it takes him, like, almost a minute to get to say what they brought him out to say, and it's just... Roll it again. (laughs) That was honestly one of the best moments I have ever had at a celebration. It was, it was fantastic. It was because like, you know, when you hear the laughter, you're like, holy crap, is that, that's Palpatine. 
what the hell what is going on is that was that really him what's going on and then ian mcdermott comes out on your state on stage and you're like oh my god that really was him what the hell are they doing in this movie (laughs) and i still have no idea uh what they're doing in this movie and i am here for whatever it is so let's talk about that vanity fair stuff that came out next last week since that ties in very nicely yes to the uh teaser trailer and i should pull that up on my laptop here vanity fair star wars yeah um it so there was a very long article i will admit i did not read the article um because I didn't, I, I don't really want a lot of the speculation. I just want the info and the facts, and that's all I want. For so this movie. <laughs> there was, we got we got a lot of interesting info out of the Vanity Fair stuff, mm-hmm. but the cover article itself, yeah, was really bizarrely speculative. Yeah, like that's that's what I got from it. It was a lot of like just sort of the author's interpretation, which is fine. But like the author's very heteronormative interpretation. Well, and also like you know the 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 author is not a person involved in Star Wars or an entertainment reporter. They're an author, uh, Lev Grossman, who wrote the Magician series, and so their his interpretation of you know what he's seeing and everything is going to be heavily skewed from like what an entertainment reporter is going to get out of it or what someone working on star wars is gonna get out of it yeah it was very different than like having an article written by someone like an anthony bresnikin yeah so um so yeah i didn't read it just because i didn't really want a lot of speculation because we're gonna have enough of that in the next eight months and i'm already tired of it (laughs) but we got some new info um we got a pic the the pictures from annie lebowitz as usual are are fantastic um we got a new we got a shot of Jana and um finn together on some sort of space horse space horse we know we they told us the name of it and i can't i can't remember it do you remember the name of i it? do not remember the name of it <laughs> i've just been calling them space horses space horses um so yeah, we got a picture of them. Uh, that looks awesome. We got a picture of Lando and Poe and Chewbacca in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And Lando and Poe look so incredibly cool. That that picture needed to come with a surgeon's general warning. I don't care what they're doing. I, 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 I need them to be in the same shot and being cool cats together. Uh, they look so cool and like because and then I'm thinking oh my god Poe's probably heard so many stories about the Battle of Endor and like you know General Calrissian and all of that and I I'm very I'm excited for it now oh that um, picture yeah the the cover the covers are very pretty too um it's Poe it's not Poe <laughs> it's Kylo and Ray. um they're two different covers um it looks like they're looking at each other. Um, like there's Kylo. It looks like his is sunset, and it looks like Ray's is sunrise, which is very symbolic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a picture of J.J. Abrams directing a scene with the Knights of Ren. Hey, we're finally getting payoff on that one. Yeah, so we're at, yeah getting the Knights of Ren, which is not surprising considering you know JJ introduced them. 
Uh, nice to see them. We also got uh, the first look of the character Carrie Russell is playing. Uh, Zori Bliss, who is a masked scoundrel. Um, I'm here for it. Um, Seen in the thieves' quarter of the snow-dusted world. Uh, Kijimi. Kijimi. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's interesting that Carrie Russell is playing a character who's going to be masked, uh, as she's very well known, <laughs> wondering if she's going to be unmasked, uh, hoping she has more of screen time than characters like, you know, Zam Wessel and even Boba Fett. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we also got our first look of Richard Grant playing, uh, Allegiant General Pride, which what the heck is an Allegiant General? Beats me, but raise your hand if you're surprised that <laughs> Richard Grant is playing an uh, is playing a First Order officer. They look so evil, and I like. I hope they're like planning Kylo's demise in this little conference room. <laughs> they, and it also say the, on the bridge of Kylo Ren's destroyer. So I'm wondering if that's the finalizer again. Or if they have, have a, some first order superstar destroyer now, yeah. So um, that one, the um, I'm scrolling. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, there's a uh, shot of uh, Eunice Utamo, Daisy Ridley, Anthony Daniels as Chewbacca, and John Boyega, or not Anthony Daniels as Chewbacca. See, this is what happens when you're pregnant, people. <laughs> Your brain doesn't work. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and then John Boyega. Um, waiting for a chase scene, and they're all on the desert planet. Um, so yeah, it's not Tatooine. It's not Jakku. Um, it's a whole new desert arid world. It's a world. whole new. It's a whole new desert world. Okay, here we go. Um, our Orbach. Oh yeah, right. Orbox. I should have remembered that because someone made a joke about Jerry Orbach. Oh right. <laughs> so yeah, they are the they are called the Orbox. Um, J- Jana is her name. J a n n a h. Glad to finally have a spelling on that one. Yes. Um, a picture of R- Kylo and Ray fighting, um, in some sort of storm. Um, and some have posited that they are atop the Death Star ruins there. Yeah, I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for them literally fighting on the Death Star. Like, that. that is great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, there's the still of John Williams conducting the orchestra yeah. with Carrie Fisher on screen in the that, background. That's that's such a that's I a was good shot. not emotionally prepared no, for that picture. No. Okay, I found them. I found the name of the desert planet. Oh pa- right. Pasana. Pasana, that's P-A-S-A-A-N-A. And uh the Jordanian Jordanian locals are playing the Aki Aki, who are the natives of the planet. A-K-I dash A-K-I. Excellent. Um, I knew I was going to find it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the the just that picture of Carrie Fisher on screen um, in that one shot and then also in the teaser has me sold on whatever they're doing with her in this movie. Um, they were very kind of, they didn't really reveal a lot of info at the panel for what they were doing with Leia's role um just you know the fact that jj didn't want to recreate her 
CGI. They didn't want to write her out of the movie. Um, and he was able to find a lot of unused footage that they were able to purpose for this movie and basically write her role around the footage that they had, which, um, you know, it could be bad, but I'm also glad that he isn't trying to make something that's not there. You yeah. Know? Um, and I also uh, thought it was really interesting in the article, they mentioned that he had written um, conics out of all of the scenes with Leia because he thought it would be too hard for Billy Lord to be in the scenes with Leia and Billy Lord insisted that she be in them. Like she wanted to share the screen with her mom again, um, even if her mom wasn't there, which I thought was really sweet. And it will probably make me cry to see them on screen together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they didn't really mention, I don't think they, there was a lot of mention about Palpatine. Um, I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. So um, a lot of discussion about like what the title means. <laughs> uh, and this has been a lot of discourse <laughs> about mm -hmm. what the title means. There's a, there's a shot of Luke and R2 um, in front of some fiery background and people are speculating if that's from the movie because he's not like force ghost looking um, or what that comes from. I think it's just a flashback to the temple burning scene or just like an old photo of that. Like not, it's, it's not even from this movie. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they're going to spoil a force ghost Luke appearance until like before the movie, just like they didn't show him in the force awakens at all. Yeah. Um, so what do you, what's your take on the title, Brian? I know you have a take. I, I think I have your take, but mostly I have a, I just don't want it to be Kylo Ren take. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry, Kylo fans. <laughs> like the, the headcanon I'm sticking to right now. And I would love it if this happened mm -hmm. is sky, the rise of Skywalker. Skywalker mm -hmm. doesn't refer to a surname. Mm -hmm. It refers to the name of a new of a new order of force sensitives or just light siders. Um, and uh, th this film will essentially end with all nine films being the origin myth of the Skywalker order. I love that. Yeah. I've had a, a lot of people have said they think, you know, that it's time for the Jedi to end you know, meaning into this is what this new order is going to be. Um, some people have speculated Skywalker is referring to just like one person, whether it be Kylo, whether it be Leia. Some people still think it's Rey. Um, I I really don't know. I that I think that's one of the reasons I'm I got really excited about this movie because I hadn't been as excited about this movie. Um, before the panel, but the the t the title has me very intrigued, and I'm very looking forward to finding out what it means. Mm -hmm. uh, because all the titles so far have been like literal, like The Force Awakens in Rey, and then The Last Jedi. It's you know Luke, obviously. Um, so I feel like The Rise of Skywalker. I I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure what it would mean. Um, if it is a thing with Kylo, uh, I 
just hope they they pull it off. Well, and <laughs> I, I will say that if Skywalker refers to an order rather than a surname or an individual, it would thematically fit with the trajectory right. of this trilogy. Yeah. Where it's Great. all about, it's so much about rejecting um, a hero's origin must be of blood. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. I could also see it being something like um, if Palpatine is back, like they have to, you know, rise up to face him again. Um, I could, I've seen people speculate it, is, it means Anakin <laughs> Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I really want him to be in the movie, um, but I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. That's a good... Uh, that's a good line to end episode nine discussion on because we still don't know a lot. And yeah. There's so much we don't know. There's so much we don't know. But at least we have some really freaking awesome pictures. We do have freaking awesome pictures. <laughs> All right. So let's cap our discussion of Rise of Skywalker there. Yes. And hit on one of the other big things. Whoop. Please don't die. I'm not. I just, water went down the wrong way. <laughs> you're, you're, you're supposed to drink your water. <coughs> Shut up. Not inhale it. I'm going to mute myself now, you talk. <laughs> uh, so obviously that wasn't the only big panel that was at Celebration. Uh, there were a couple others, and uh, we were lucky enough to be at a few of them. Uh, let's do the Mandalorian. Yes, let's do the Mandalorian. I was going, I wasn't, in, going into celebration. I was really not at all excited for no. the Mandalorian outside of oh, Taika Waititi's <laughs> doing a cup an episode. Or yeah, two. that I'm was really the only that. time I got really excited was when they said he was going to be a directing an episode, and also when we saw he was going to be in it as like a droid. That was exciting. Um, but you know the. Like, Mandalorians aren't my thing. Like, bounty hunters really aren't my thing. Um, But I was interested to see, you know, what they do for television and the direction going forward. And also that um, the whole idea of, like, being set five years after Return of the Jedi, like, that's... That's my jam. That like that era right after Jedi is what I love. So I was, you know, I was optimist. You know, I, I was curious, but not very interested. Mm-hmm. Um, the panel itself was was fun. Um, there, you know, John Favreau and Dave Filoni apparently are long term friends, which I didn't realize. Um, so they had good chemistry. Um, I really liked hearing John Favreau talk about working with Star Wars. Um, obviously, John Favreau is best known for directing Iron Man and Iron Man 2 and basically kickstarting the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, which is one of the reasons why when they announced that he was doing the show, you know, a lot of times when I see like the people they hire, my first thought is, oh, yay, another white man doing star wars uh but when i saw john favreau i didn't have that reaction i thought oh john favreau person who basically kickstarted the mcu that makes sense i'm interested to see what he does here well and he immediately followed up by hiring a very diverse array of directors yeah they they said they were going to uh when 
when they announced him being the showrunner. Um, and then when they actually like announced the directors and stuff, I was like, oh, okay, they're actually doing what they said they were going to do. I'm I'm happy with this. Um, also, like, you know, it, it's just hard to not trust John Favreau that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, and, you know, Dave Filoni, for all of the, you know, qualms I have with a lot of his uh, storytelling, storytelling choices, choices. Um, definitely knows Star Wars and I think is a really good person to work with, you know, someone who's I John he's not really an outsider because he's worked on Clone Wars but you know he's not someone who's you know written you know worked told Star Wars stories before so that that partnership seems pretty solid and I think like I think Dave Filoni has like you know he knows what Star Wars should look like and from what we saw footage wise it definitely seems like this is what Star Wars should look like. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we we got a lot of them talking. We got to uh, see three of the stars of the show. Uh, Pedro Pascal, who plays the titular Mandalorian, uh, who is not named. Uh, and we also never saw him with his helmet off. Uh, Gina Carano, who plays... Uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. She's a rebel shock trooper. Uh, which is awesome, and her costume looks freaking badass. Like she's just gonna kick your ass and take names. Did you find it? I'm looking. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Carl Weathers, who plays like the head of the Bounty Hunters Guild, and I also forgot his name. Um, but yeah, they were all. Cara Dune is... Cara Dune, yes, that's right. And then what's... Who's Carl Weathers? I think it's Grief. Is it... Gr I think his first name is Grief. It's something like that. It's weird. It's a Star Wars name. It, it, it was a very <laughs> Star Wars... Very, very Star Wars name. And I can look it up if you can just keep talking for a moment. Okay. Um, so yeah, they were very... You know, they were fun. Pedro Pascal seems very delightful. Uh, he basically, Oscar Isaac convinced him to do Star Wars, which is funny. <laughs> Good work, Oscar Isaac. Yes. Uh, and Carl Weathers is basically the hype man that Star Wars really doesn't need, but I'm very glad that he's here. <laughs> <laughs> grief uh, Karga. Grief Karga. See, I was right. It was grief. Um, so we got those three. Um, again, they, they couldn't really tell us a lot about what they're doing. But um, the gist is that uh, Grief Karga is head of the Bounty Hunters Guild. He knows this job that is like super important and expensive. And basically the Mandalorian is the only person that he trusts to hire out for this. Um, and, you know, we're going to see a bunch of people that end up allying and going against the Mandalorian. I'm assuming Cara Dune is becomes one of his allies. Um, we also saw like sort of a trailer uh, where we got to see Giancarlo Esposito play some sort of TIE pilot, um, which looks really awesome. Uh, and also uh, in the, we saw a clip, um, which is basically seemed like the opening of the show. 
and Werner Herzog plays the character who's hiring the Mandalorian for this job. Um, and all we know is that they're looking for someone who's about 50 standard years old. And that's all we know. Um, of course, I was doing math of who it could have been, but... <laughs> there are several interesting possibilities. Uh, yes. The one I've seen a lot is uh, people question is wondering whether it's Ahsoka. Um, that would be a really Dave thing to do, uh, and kind of why I hope they don't do it. <laughs> um, but I'm really interested, especially, like, the whole, like, where the story is set. It's in, like, really the outer reaches of the galaxy, um where it doesn't really matter that there was a war going on. Um, and Werner Herzog's character has really interesting dialogue about, you know, you know, it does the rebellion really help, you know, the war has been over and we're still, you know, and you know, now we have all these problems and life, basically life was better under the empire. And I really love that idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really happy that the show is taking place kind of in my happy yeah. era. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what this what the story how the story goes. I know the first season is only eight episodes. I don't know if they're doing more seasons or if it's just a limited run of the eight episodes yeah i haven't heard anything on that either it does seem like disney is doing a lot of limited run shows yeah uh, with disney plus like pretty much all of the marvel stuff they've announced yeah uh is limited run yeah um so yeah we that was uh i really it really got me interested in the show and i'm really looking forward to it and uh i believe in november 12th is when it comes out yes um and it's not coming out all at once so there will be like episode week by week so um, I'm looking forward to it. The, what, the clip that we saw, it looks it looks like Star Wars. Um, 100%. Yeah, the it is visually just stunning. Uh, they told a story about how they wanted they wanted to build a prop. Oh yeah, of the, sh um, the ship, of the ship mm -hmm. uh, that the titular Mandalorian pilots. And a bunch of ILM people heard that uh, they were do that they were building this prop, and. Mm -hmm just on their own time in their garages started building um building record uh camera recording gimbals so they could recreate uh the types of shots they were doing for the original Star Wars but that would fit a modern digital video camera. Yeah, that was really cool. I actually had to look away during some of the shots of them like swooping over because it looked like it looked like flying and mm -hmm. I, I had to look away because it was starting to make me nauseous. <laughs> the other really fun story they told was uh, that they didn't have enough stormtrooper armor on yeah, set. Yeah, that was a good, such a good story. Uh, they didn't have enough stormtrooper armor on set for one of the shots. They, they had stormtroopers, but th as they were recording, they realized they did not have enough stormtroopers for visually what they wanted it to be. So they called up some 501st people. Well, the best part is Dave Filoni's like, uh, I know where you guys can get stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they call up, uh, they put a call out for 501st folks to show up in TK armor. Mm -hmm. um, and these 501st folks arrive. And they have no idea what they're doing. Mm -mm. Uh, but they, they have to sign NDAs. And it isn't until the end yeah. of the shoot, they tell them, oh, by the way, uh, you all are extras on The Mandalorian. Yeah. 
Uh, so and of course they couldn't tell anyone basically Mm-mm. until until that that panel. panel. Um, and the best part is that like their whole you know the five hundred first your your the whole idea is that your out your armor and costumes are screen accurate. Um, and so now they've been they've been on screen in a Star Wars movie, so they can say they have like, screen worn. They have screen worn armor. <laughs> uh so yeah that was really that was really cool and like one of the things like that's so awesome about star wars and star wars fandom in general also i loved that they got a whole section devoted to the mandalorian works in the panel and they kept cutting to them in the audience uh wearing their armor and they were like so hyped for it and i know they mentioned i think they mentioned uh tom hutchins who's who's the founder of the mandalorian works uh and I know they showed him like uh, on, you know, on the camera. Uh, so that was real cool. If you've if you've gone to uh, Dragon Con, Tom Hutchins is always there. Yeah, He's a Tom, nice guy. Tom's a regular at the Star Wars track. Really cool dude. Yeah. So uh, that so that was cool to see to see them get that sort of recognition and uh, all of that. Yeah. Very, so so cool. Um, I, the thing that the thing I was not prepared for was how much I freaking loved the music. Oh, I was because uh I the composer is Ludwig well, I, Gorenson who does who did Black well, Panther, I, which I, I, knew, I fucking love. I knew it was gonna be good, but I didn't know how much they would let him do his own kind of his own thing. Mm, yeah. And boy, it is very much his own thing stamped on the music. It is unlike anything that has ever been in a Star Wars film. Right. Like so like you know how when Black like Black Panther, the music feels very, um, like, is indigenous the right word? Like to Africa, like it feels very African. It, it's it has a lot of Native African right tone, and so that you know, and that's what it needs. So this movie feels like, like because it's in the outer reaches, it's a desert planet. It feels like it fits in whatever this planet is, and we have mm-hmm. no idea what planet it is. Um, but it, like, you hear this music and you're, like, immediately transported to where this place is and you are immediately know what sort of planet yep. this is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Um, the, the music, uh, both in the clip they showed us uh-huh. and in the trailer were just stunning. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh. And I'm gonna need that soundtrack to show up on Spotify at some point, yeah. I think. Yes, uh, that was a very good get for uh, the Mandalorian. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, Mandalorian. I'm fully on board now. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Resistance. Yes. I'm gonna start by saying I am really, really bummed <laughs> that Resistance got exit day billing and didn't even get the arena. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They having the panel on a Monday. In like the middle of a day when a lot of people had already left, um, and not having it in the main arena setting was really annoying. Like the Clone Wars panel, I get having the retros panel for that. Well, but they had the Clone Wars panel was in the arena, but it wasn't one of like the opening day yeah. panels. But I can understand that because you know a lot of people are really excited about it. Um, but. Resistance should have at least had that same treatment where it's in the arena at some point. I feel like it should have had it the have opening had, 
panel it of should have the had, convention. It should have had the opening panel, or at the very least, it should have had the spot that was allocated to Rebels. Well, yeah, the, Rebels was not in the arena, but it was... It was on one... I think it was, it was a Saturday. A Saturday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. They I mean, it, it's been less than a year since Rebels ended. Wait right. until the next celebration to do a yeah. Rebels rep- retrospective. I mean, I understand having the retrospective, but it seemed like that got more promotion than the resistance panel which is the show that's currently on um you know i understand the clone wars having a a bigger panel because it's upcoming show you know and people are excited about the new content but like rebels doesn't have new content coming out um so why have that panel on a saturday and not resistance um it just seems like lucasfilm is not doing a lot to promote resistance uh you know they don't have a they don't have a dedicated recap show. Yeah, they don't have a week. recap show. Um, you know, they, they it's a really weird time slot and the airing on the app is very like sort of is it up? Is it not up? Who knows? Um I mean, I'm I I was worried about resistance before yeah. celebration. I'm significantly more worried about it now. Yeah, and which is stupid because I think the first episode that they showed us was fantastic. Um, And I think the show ended really strong for season one. And, you know, I know a lot of, I I know some people aren't like huge fans of the show and, you know, that's fine. Um, You know, people are entitled to their opinions, but it's just frustrating that it seems like it's not getting the same treatment that, all the other animated show, the and major animated shows I'm, have gotten. I'm really frustrated with it because Resistance far and away features the most diverse cast of anything Star Wars has ever done. Yeah. So we got to see a whole bunch of the casts on the panel. And which they was, were awesome. Yeah, they were really great. Um, you know, it's, you know, you know, we, I knew this going into it because I've, you know, I've seen pictures of the cast and I know, you know, what they look like, but seeing them all together and talking about their characters really hit home, you know, how far they went to cast actors who look like the characters they're playing, mm-hmm. which seems like counterintuitive to what voice acting is, you know, like, you know, so many people like voice acting cause you can play whatever, but for the characters who are playing humans and this being a show that's, you know, dedicated to children, I think it's really cool to have like, you know, the actress who plays Tora is Mexican American and she uses her accent on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, she's so adorable. And like watching her talk, uh, Murda Velasco, it's like, oh my God, you are Tora. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Susie McGrath, who plays Tam, you know, she's black. Um, you know, Christopher Sean is Asian. Uh, Scott Lawrence is black. You know, all of the characters seem to like fit their. All the actors seem to fit their character's background, which I think is really cool. Um, but yeah, the, the panel was really fun. The cast has really good chemistry together. Um, and then we got, we didn't get a trailer for season two, but that's okay because we got an episode of season two, which I was really happy about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see the first episode of season two, um, which uh, if you have not seen the end of season one, we're going to spoil that for you right now. So skip ahead a little bit. Uh, season one ends with Tam leaving, choosing to go to the First Order. Uh, 
because her friends have lied to her and and Kaz has lied to her about working for the resistance. Um, and her decision is very understandable. Um, I was I'm very interested to see how she goes forward with the first order and you know, I'm really hoping we get one of those whole, oh, this is not what I expected sorts of stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the first episode uh, of season two basically ends with the Colossus coming out of hyperspace in sort of who knows where and having to fix all the systems. Um, one of the first order droids is there. Uh, CB23 gets to play hero. Um, and, you know, don't want to go over the whole episode and, you know, spoil it for people, but I was really impressed with it. And especially the acting between Kaz and uh, Tam. I'm really looking forward to seeing Tam's storyline. Oh, yeah. This story. Or this season. And the, the poster, they gave us a poster as we left. And the poster has, like, Tam, Tam and Kaz basically same size on the posters. So... So we will get to keep going and follow Tam throughout season two, which if you were worried about, which I was glad that's the case. No, I really enjoyed it. The panel was great. I wish it had been on another day so more people could have seen it. I wish uh, it had gotten, I wish that panel had gotten more love from, uh, more love from Lucasfilm. And I wish the show would just in general get more love from Lucasfilm. Yeah, I agree, especially Lucasfilm. Um, you know, I do understand people who started like watching and you know, a lot of people have issues with Kaz. Um, but I feel like Kaz Kaz has grown over the season and you know, he's goofy, but he is a different sort of character than what we've seen before and I want people to give him a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i was really really looking forward to the rest of this season and hoping the show does well uh and really interested to see what they do uh with you know going up to the last jedi time frame and if they address the battle of crate and all of that yeah fun stuff i'm excited me too um, yeah, so that was great. Uh, there was also a Galaxy's Edge panel. We can talk about it a little bit, because I think next week we're going to do a mouse droid and yes. cover it in a lot well, more Well, especially depth. we have to do a mouse droid next because week. It's because it's actually opening next week. <laughs> uh, people have been there. Um, so yeah, the, the panel was a lot of stuff we we already knew. Um, a lot of info on the rides and the land itself and like what you're going to be able to do there and stuff you're going to be able to buy. I think the biggest announcement was that they're selling uh, Star Wars branded Coca-Cola uh, inside the land, which I mean is really stupid. And I also freaking love. There's a there's a lot of people legitimately angry about that. I think it's, it's immersion breaking. But okay, no, it's not. You know what? <laughs> I at Universal, I hate having to leave Wizarding World just to go get a Coke. Yep. It sucks. It does. It sucks. And so they figured out, well, we're gonna how do we keep you buy how do you how do we keep you in here but also let you buy Coke? <laughs> and they're like, we're gonna buy let you buy space Coke. And their little bottles look like thermal detonators, and I can't wait to buy them and rinse them out and have them as part of my collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a Galaxy's Edge uh, 
exhibit on the on the show floor, uh, which we got to go in and we got to have a tour by one of the cast members there. He basically like led us around and told us like all different things about like the look I mean, of the not land. Not just any cast member. This was the one art of, director. Yeah, yeah, of 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 the Batu uh, in uh, Walt Disney World. So you know, talking about how they designed the land and you know showing out, pointing out little bits of like the design you wouldn't be able to fig- you know pick out um and it was it was really cool and we got to and they had one of the actual ride vehicles for rise of the resistance you got to take a picture in it uh and they also had a they had some merch previews which we didn't stand in line for um and then they had a thing where you could record like a testimonial of like what Star Wars means to you and what you're most looking forward to at Galaxy's Edge and so we stood in line to do that and that's going to be included as part of a time capsule. So that was really cool. Um yeah, they they called the time cap it's going to be in a holocron. Yep. That they're burying at <laughs> Disneyland. It's great. Yep. Um yeah, I I can't believe it's actually opening next weekend. <laughs> I can't believe people have gone there <laughs> already. There was um, a picture that the Parks blog tweeted. Oh yeah, the um, cast members that showed all of the cast members, and you you have uh, Disney Parks blog. Uh, they have a Twitter account. Go find it and go find this picture. There are several hundred cast members. So many cast members. A lot of cast and members. And that picture. That is the first time I got a real sense of scale yeah. for how big Galaxy's Edge is, and holy crap. Because to have that many cast members needing to work there, that's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, yeah. I know I'm going to be overwhelmed when I go there for the first time, and but I can't wait. It's going to be so amazing. <laughs> so do we have any other celebration thoughts? Um, I'm really glad it's going back to Anaheim. I'm really glad it's going back to Anaheim next year. Uh, don't know if we're actually going to be able to go next year, which I'm really bummed about because if we were going to have to skip a celebration, I wish we could have skipped it in Chicago mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as opposed to Anaheim because I love that location. Um, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of Chicago as a location. Um, not like the city as a as not the city itself, but the actual convention center i thought it was hard it was it was difficult to navigate um and like it just seemed it it seemed smaller and there was a real lack of infrastructure around the convention center yeah like there weren't there was really like only a few hotels that were right around the convention center um and we we kind of didn't really we didn't really spread out we we kind of stayed in that surrounding area, but it didn't really even seem like there was a lot of like restaurants and things. I, I'm sure if we had gone, you know, further out, we would have found things. But it was cold. I didn't want to move. <laughs> it, it it snowed. It snowed, you guys. I'm not built for this. <laughs> um, but like I I. I we talked to some people who've been there for C2E2 before, and they said the other side of the convention center was actually, it seemed like it was bigger, um, which is kind of weird as to why they held celebration in the the part of the convention center where they did. Um, 
the whole like you can only get to one part of the convention center on the first floor by like one certain escalator you couldn't like go across like when you enter the main entrance you can't like go across to the like twin sun stage you had to go up to the third floor and then go down another escalator to get there because the first floor is broken up by a parking garage. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the twin sun stage was really small. Um, the galaxy stage was, was a decent size. The arena was very nice. I will say I'm, it was very nice to have a large arena again. Um, but I think the, the, the building that they had it in, there was a lot of space for queuing. And so when people lined up in the morning, like they're kind of basically just in the halls of the convention center waiting in line. Um, you know, in Orlando and in Anaheim, they had like whole exhibit halls d- dedicated just for queuing up in the morning. Um, Granted, it was managed poorly, but it was it was managed very poorly. But there was a lot there was more space for that. It seemed like what they used for the McCormick center building was basically they used every, every part that they had, but they didn't have like extra areas for it lining up. They had one part near the galaxy stage that what they used for lining up. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it seemed smaller to me than Anaheim and Orlando. I think it's because Orlando and Anaheim have like, big hallways Mm -hmm. like near the exhibit hall um there's like a whole like like concourse area and granted there was where mccormick center was but then you had to like go around the corner where the galaxy stage was and that area seemed really small that walkway seemed really really small um i when they announced that they were going back to anheim i was really excited and i was looking at the uh the layout of the convention center and i'm like i remember how nice the anaheim convention center is laid out because it's just one long building exhibit hall on the first floor then the rooms and they're all like sort of cordoned off where you just go down little hallways and you like they had a droid room that we had no idea was there Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you had to like go off one way to find it and if you didn't walk to the twin sun stage you would never have known it was there Mm -hmm. so i will say the security uh was a lot more efficient i don't know if it was thorough (laughs) but there weren't lines around the building to get to get inside which was nice uh staffed well uh the celebration was staffed really well Mm -hmm. um and yeah that just made that just made things a whole lot easier yeah um Star Wars show stage was excellent. Yes. Uh, They took notes from the last celebration and they, yeah, it was in the center of the exhibit hall. Um, It worked out well because they had a second floor like food court. So they were basically able to back up the stage to that area and have a whole separate green room behind them. Um, But yeah, they, it was huge. You could see it from like, when you first walk in the exhibit hall and we watched the galaxy's edge panel from that, from, from there. And it was fine. Like we had no problems hearing anything. There was, there was tons of space, tons of screens, tons of speakers, tons of space. Yeah. Um, we also watched part of the Phantom Menace panel from there because we, 
um, it was still going on when we got out of the panel that we were doing. Um, uh, I saw pictures of people watching the episode nine panel and it was like very, very crowded, but I mean, people saw it from there. No, it worked really well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm impressed at how well they, they took the notes from Orlando and, you know, realized, okay, we shouldn't have a TIE fighter in front of the yeah, stage. Not, not having a giant TIE fighter in front of the stage definitely helped. Yeah. So that was, so that was very good. I mm-hmm. very much appreciated that. Um, the floor itself, I was kind of underwhelmed with. There were a lot of good photo op opportunities, a lot of good like exhibits from like fan clubs and like, you know, the Rancho Obi-Wan stuff. But, like, a lot of the booths, like, I don't know. I was just kind of underwhelmed with the... I think Chicago was a trickier place for a lot of vendors to get to. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, there's, pla- there's like, the official, like, tie-ins, like, Delray and, you know, Hasbro and all of them have their booths. But, like, you know, other than, like, trolling for action figures, I really didn't see a lot of, like, oh, God, I have to go to this booth to look at stuff like even like the pozu booth like i wanted to go there to try on shoes and their booth seemed really small and just kind of like i was i was i wasn't as you know i I wasn't as overwhelmed as i have been in previous celebrations Mm -hmm. walking through the exhibit hall um anything else about celebration um (laughs) i i am I, again, I'm just very excited to go back to Anaheim. I love the infrastructure there. Yeah. Also, if it is at a time we can go at, yeah, I would strongly consider doing a hard-ticketed Galaxy's Edge evening yeah. event. Yeah, I, w- I would not spend a day to go to Galaxy's Edge because that's really dumb for us to do. Mm-hmm. But if they have a special event, I would definitely go. Um, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm both really happy and very frustrated that they're having celebration next year. Um, you know. I, I, I'm a back-to-back domestic celebration. This is a first, right? Yes. They have never done that before. Um, it seems very weird because 2020, what do we have? Well, we heard, (laughs) we heard some interesting speculation as to why it was next year. Um, and it's that, uh, they would like to alternate D23 being one year. Yeah. And celebration being the other year. Right. This year, um, both D23 and Celebration are happening. Right. But it seems like like they w- should just skip two years and mm-hmm. then have it again because they don't really, they're not going to have as, a lot of stuff to talk about next year. They're not yeah, having they're any movies really, come out until 2020. They're really only going to be promoting television. Yeah. Like um, if they didn't have a Celebration until 2022, I could have totally seen that. Yeah. But... It's I I don't know I, I I do wonder if this if it's going to be a smaller celebration. And you know which I I'll wouldn't be happy with. I wouldn't <laughs> mind if it was more of a C six feeling yeah. celebration. Yeah, um, because like celebration has gotten so big, um, and it's very much a news event now. Whereas you know, in Celebration five and Celebration six, it was a very much more of a just come here and celebrate Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I really hope they announce the dates soon because 
I want to see if we can actually go. <laughs> if it's August, we're screwed. No, I mean, if it's August, we're screwed. If it's before August, we're probably screwed. Um, I know it'll never happen, but I would love it October. Yeah, like later in the year. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people think it's going to be like August because that's when uh, D23 usually is. If that's so, yeah, we, we're not going to be able to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Well, it only took us a month and a half, but we finally recapped everything for <laughs> I'm celebration. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you were pregnant at celebration. Yes, I was. <laughs> Which is why, if I looked tired, I was. <laughs> yeah. So um, we've we've been battling uh, fatigue. Yes. For a while. Fatigue medicine scheduling yeah it's a lot of fun the good news is i get to stop taking my medicine this week which i've heard uh people say that it you know get gets them some more energy and they they aren't as tired anymore after that so hopefully that will happen and i'm coming into the second trimester so i've also heard that is uh better yeah, but in the interim, I think our plan is we're going to be recording on the weekends during the day. Yes. Um, that's just kind of easier for both of us and if right we, now. And if we go uh, every two weeks, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Blame me. You're fine, dear. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, this episode of TSR has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. That's patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Uh, get into the $1 level, and you can get into our Patreon-exclusive Slack team, uh, which is always fun. Yes. We have a great time in there. We did, and uh, we got to meet a, several of them at Celebration. Yeah, it was great. That was great. Uh, Nancy's on Twitter at Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. I'm Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. Uh, the official account is Tashi Station. Uh, TashiStation.net is where you can find our news and uh, other such podcasts. Uh, this show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, you can also su- subscribe to the Mega Feed at all those same places for all of our great shows. Thanks for listening to another episode. Mousedroid next week, we'll be talking a whole lot more about Galaxy's Edge then. Bye! So long. TSR is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash Station to help us keep the lights on and to get access to our Patreon-exclusive Slack team.